0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
1: The City Bible Forum in Sydney has just finished a series on four hard truths that will set you free. Now, these are four things that are just realities in life in this world and they can make us feel a little uncomfortable. Four truths that stand against several ideas that culturally we might cherish. And these truths come from a blog written some years ago from a man named Charles Pope. And they've been adapted in Sydney at the City Bible Forum. Four truths that the Bible acknowledges uh, that show us how we are actually given freedom. So we're going to be talking hard truths and freedom. So get ready for anything this coming hour, uh, because it could be, as I say, confronting and even uh, uh, you know controversial at different points. Well, I want to welcome our special guest, Lachlan Orr from the City Bible Forum in Sydney. Hello, Lachlan. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, Neil. Thanks for having me on the show. Lachlan, i just got to commend you at City Bible Forum because you are always coming up with creative initiatives that capture people's imaginations in a way that uh, oftentimes uh, is a rarity. And uh, you guys do such a fabulous job in Sydney. And as I mentioned, City Bible Forum. City Bible Forum, of course, uh, in capitals around Australia, you're in Brisbane, you're in Sydney, you're in Melbourne, you're in Adelaide, you're in Perth. I'm not sure whether you're yet yet there in in Hobart and Tasmania uh, or uh, in the Northern Territory. No,
2: Just just recently started in Canberra, though.
1: Ah, very good. All right. I'm always interested in those breakthroughs that are happening with City Bible Forum because you guys do such an amazing uh, ministry. Let me uh, ask you, though, as we get this conversation underway this hour, Lachlan, hard truths that Mm. will set you free. I mentioned Charles Pope, but tell me how this came about, that you've presented this series.
2: Yeah. So, uh, like you said, we, we try to uh, we try to engage uh, workers in the city uh, with the Bible, and and one of the ways that uh, we came up with doing this is these actually four uh, confronting truths. So one of our speakers, Al Stewart, uh, he read this blog a couple of years ago and thought actually there's something there's something in there. Um, and so he, he contacted Charles Pope, the, the, the guy who wrote it, and uh, got permission to adapt them into his own uh, talk series. And so, so we, the original blog was five hard truths, but we tend to work in four-week series, so we've gone for four hard truths. Um, and, and we haven't gone through the hard truths yet, have we?
1: Uh, No, we haven't actually mentioned what they are, so Mm. we're going to. In fact, uh, I'm thinking that it's wise for us to talk about all four hard truths early in our conversation, Mm. and we'll be able to enlarge on some of those, and I want to invite our listeners to participate in this conversation. Yeah, that'd be great. uh, So let me me, uh, mention what the four hard truths are that we're going to talk about. And then we'll get into discussing them. How does that sound?
2: That sounds great. Fire away.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Get ready, Australia. Here we go. These are the hard truths that will set you free. Now, you can be a part of this conversation... Call in and tell us your own journey, your own example of how you've come to understand these things. Uh, you might even have an alternative opinion. You might say, well, hang on a second, uh, I'm not sure the Bible's saying those things about these hard truths. Well, you can call and be a part of this conversation today. Our talkback line is open on one 316 316 Here are the four hard truths we're going to be talking about this hour. Your life is not all about you. The second one is, you are not in control. The third one is, you are not that important. And the fourth hard truth is, you are going to die. And now, having said that, Lachlan, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm wanting our listeners to stay around and hear uh, the responses that you're going to bring that have been yeah. delivered in the City Bible Forum in Sydney, because mm. uh, because uh, those are very confronting things. They are uh, Very
2: confronting things.
1: Uh, tell yeah. me about how you felt when you first uh, saw those, and uh, and whether you were confronted.
2: Yeah, I, I, I you know, I think I, I was there. Um, at one level there, there's something that I, I've been a Christian for a while and so at one level it I sort of thought oh it, it just yeah that that makes sense that kind of fits in but at another level it, oh it it does sting a bit it, it, it's a bit of a slap in the face because uh you know the I think the message that you get from the world around us so often is actually that these aren't right these aren't true uh in some way shape or form and so uh, it does kind of it does kind of rub up against you and go, oh, that, that actually, that is, that is a bit tough. That, that is hard. There's a bit of pill to swallow. Um, but actually, the more that you think about them, uh, the more you actually, they actually point you to the great freedom that we have as Christians uh, in Jesus.
1: Well, we're going to go through these hard truths and we're going to open up some uh, conversation about them. And uh, the encouragement is participate in our conversation today on 1-800-316-316. Lachlan, let's get into the first hard truth. You are not in control. Uh, Mm. There is a sense, isn't there, in which uh, there's a lot of publicity, particularly around uh, the idea of successful business people and yeah. uh, people who have their own capacity for wealth creation and uh, they seem to take the bull by the horns they're yep. in charge of their own destiny and and uh, this whole idea that you used to get years ago when uh, when business uh, leaders and executives used to sort of think of themselves as masters of the universe mm, uh, yeah. there's something that's just not quite right about that when we take a biblical account of of whether we are in control
2: yeah that that's exactly right because and the the lie i guess the opposite lie that you know you are in control and that you are the the master of your own destiny you know it, there is there is something comforting in that because we you know we we want to we want things. We want to get things a certain way, and and actually, you know, there are certain ways we can influence things, and, and we do have a, a certain measure of control. Um, but the danger, uh, you know, the danger is that we actually, we actually have less control than we think. Um, actually, in the original, uh, the original blog article, uh, Charles Pope, I think I think he summarised it quite well. Uh, the problem, the problem of the lie uh, that we're in control is that. He said, "cause we think we can control a few things, we end up thinking that we control many things. and that's just not so. Uh, and our, our attempts to control and manipulate outcomes can be comical, if not hurtful. Uh, and so then thinking that we can control many things lets us think we must control many things, which can then lead to more anxiety and more anger as we try to make things just the way that we want them to be and get frustrated and uh, and angry and sad when they don't work out that way, uh, when, when the reality of the situation is where we're not as in control as we'd like to think we are.
1: It's different, isn't it, Lachlan, when we put ourselves in a context where we are Christian believers because mm. we believe that God is in control. Uh, for those people who try to escape the reality that God is in control and mm-hmm. uh, deny God uh, deny Jesus Christ deny those things of Christianity yeah. they have to them they have no other choice other than to pursue the idea that that humanity is in control and that individuals have control but that mm-hmm. uh, that's that's confronting in its in its own right when you start to think about all of the uh, all the corruption and injustices that can come from that
2: yeah that's right and and i think even uh, even for people who who don't hold to a biblical uh, worldview, I think the the idea that we are in control it very quickly falls apart when you actually start to look at the evidence. There's a there's a, a guy by the name of Malcolm Gladwell. Um, he wrote a book called Outliers, and one of the things that he looked at was to look at you know what what things what things contribute to making the best of the best of the best people. Uh, you know, one of the examples he took was Bill Gates and You know, if he didn't have access to a computer, wealthy parents, a good school, be going through college at just the right time to take advantage of the the burgeoning IT industry, you know, those are all factors that are outside his control. Uh, And yes, he worked hard. Yes, that's not to detract from those. But actually, there's a lot of things that feed into people's success that they don't have control over. Um, even for even for you know Olympic level athletes, you don't have complete control of your body. Um, you know, not that I'm an Olympic level athlete, but you know I got the flu last month and you know I was I was just bed bound. And you suddenly realise as much control as I might like to think I have, it's it's just not true. Uh, and so even for people who who don't hold to a biblical understanding the... The idea that, yes, I'm in control and I'm the master, uh, it's a bit hollow when you start to pick at it.
1: There's also a a leave-it-to-them mentality that you can have, too, where uh, even when it comes to, well, I'm voting, uh, we live in a democracy, I'm Mm -hmm. going to vote for a government to be in control. (laughs) And that has its own risks as well, doesn't it? Because, uh, you know, trusting in the government to actually get things right.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, even, even the party that you vote for might, might not decide things that the way that you would have liked them to. Um, your, you may feel like your vote didn't count for anything if your particular party didn't get in. Um, so even though we have some measure of influence, we don't ultimately have control
1: let's talk about whether there is a christian biblical godly solution to this issue of who is in control mm. what does uh, what does jesus offer as a better solution for us
2: well i think the thing that jesus offers as a better solution and the the great joy that we have uh, when we are christians and we when we do follow uh, jesus is that we know god is in control and he is good uh, so so ultimately christians recognize that we aren't in control but we know the one who is in control and we know that he is good um so the the um in the letter uh in the letter of james uh one of the things that he says uh to the people he's writing is you know listen you who say today or tomorrow uh, we'll go to this city or that city spend a year there and carry on business and make money you know, why you don't even know what will happen to tomorrow what's your life? You're a mist that will appear for a little while and vanishes, but instead you ought to say, if it's the Lord will, Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so within the, the Christian worldview, there's, uh, there's great freedom because it, it recognizes we do have a, a limited measure of control, but actually God is the one who is in control. And so, so it frees us both to to be able to make our own plans, and uh, uh, but know that if they don't come to, to fruition, if the way that we had planned things or we had envisioned things doesn't work out, well, actually, God is in control, and he's working things out, and because we know he's good, then actually that that's okay. Uh, that can be a, a, a difficult thing to see sometimes when we're going through uh, very tough times, um, but... But actually recognizing the character of, of God and his power uh, is really quite freeing. It's not a, uh, a lack of control that we need to be fearful or anxious of uh, because we know someone is in control and they are good.
1: Interestingly, I think we tend to recognize that God is in control when things all around us are spiraling out of control. Yeah. Uh, because when we're in the out of control situation, we're grappling with how we actually maintain some level of equilibrium. We get back the stability. Uh, we try and uh, make sure that there is some control there. And it might be either personally, it could be in our family, a marriage, our mm. children, teenagers, uh, stuff gets out of control. And so yeah. uh, we encourage ourselves in those times that mm-hmm. god is in control but uh, the other thing here and where pride can come into it is where where things are going well for us when we're getting wealthier and things do appear to be in our control and this sort of pride uh, just jumps into our lives and we say well i don't need god because i've got the control exactly. and uh, he doesn't matter to me mm, exactly exactly so uh when it comes to uh, to appreciating why this is a hard question why this is a hard uh, issue to talk about is because when things are going well we still need to recognize that God is in control that's right and it's
2: it's very it's very easy to uh, to forget how dependent we are uh, when things are going well and especially if we have uh we've bought into the illusion that i have control which you know when we live in a, a generally well-to-do society where we do have a, a measure of choice like australia uh is easy to do um you know if i have uh the money to make decisions and to make choices and to make them happen when i want uh it's easy to think no i, I am in control um and you know to to realize that i'm not in control that there is a certain amount of scariness to that um, but you, you, I think you're right when you say it's those times when, when things fall apart that we can, that's when we realize just how out of control, uh, out of being in control we are, uh, and for Christians, we, we can be brought back to that, uh, to that truth that, oh yeah, it's, it's not me, <laughs> it's God who's in control, uh, and that that actually can be uh, a great source of comfort and has been a great source of comfort for many Christians across the years, uh, recognizing, that even in the, uh, the midst of, uh, of tough and sad and uh, grievous times, um, God is still in control and, and I don't need to be. <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: some relief in that. There's Lachlan Orr is our guest from City Bible Forum. We're taking calls on one 316 316 Helen is in Brisbane. Hello, Helen. Welcome along. Oh,
3: hello. How are you?
1: Very well, Helen. What are your thoughts on our conversation today?
3: in the bible that we are co-workers with god Mm. so although we aren't in control from our own um from our own will when we give our will to god through jesus we we are co-workers with god and i just want to um explain to you something that um the the revelation that's come to me particularly even about healing now if somebody is sick or if i'm sick the facts are there the manifestation of this disease is there but when i learned the difference between facts and truth it was like a light bulb went off the facts are i might be sick hmm. but the truth is i was healed by the stripes of jesus hmm. and i call forth the manifestation of that healing and in the sense that God calls, God has control over the manifestation of that healing. Yes, mm. but we have a responsibility to declare the word in faith. Mm. You get what I'm
1: saying? Surely do. Your yes. thoughts, Lachlan, and what Helen's sharing.
2: Oh yeah, I think that's a it's a great encouragement. And so, just to to make sure I've understood uh, what Helen is saying, I, I, I've heard that. Um, we are called to be co- God's co-workers, and so we continue to actually proclaim the gospel. Because ultimately, that's where uh, that's where we are saved. That's where we do uh, come to the foot of the cross and recognise that you know, God is King and, and not me. And that's where uh, and Jesus is the one who I follow and the way that I've been saved. Um, and so, because of God's control, yeah, we we may be we may well be healed, and that's a great thing. And we recognise that any healing, whether uh, whether it's come through a a means we can sort of say, oh, it's been through medicine or through a doctor or whether we can't explain it, but ultimately God is behind that. And so we we give thanks to him for that because whatever means he has used, uh, whether we can point out, oh, yes, this is how it's happened or not, God stands behind it and he's in control. Uh, And... Uh, and because we know him, we, we can give thanks and rejoice in his goodness to us. Uh, I, would that be sort of what you were saying, Helen? What it... to
3: say, Lachlan, is rather than have a fatalistic attitude like, okay, hey, sirrah, sirrah, God's in control, so whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Mm-hmm. We do have a responsibility to declare the word yes. and say the truth about this situation is that. And God is going to manifest that truth. And that's where we're co-workers, when yes. we declare the word that God gives us about the situation. We're actually working with him to manifest the truth in that situation. We're not um, submitting to the facts, but we're saying, "No, I'm declaring the truth about this. I'm healed." You know yeah, what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. So
3: we I used to get confused about that because I used to think, "Well, how can I say"
1: Helen, I am uh, great thoughts there. I'm going to have to cut you short because of time, but uh, wonderful thoughts, and we are co-workers with christ it is god's mission to bring this gospel message into the world and we hold his hand and as helen is saying there and i think uh, you'd agree too, lachlan that there is an element of stepping out in faith oh, and, it, yeah. and and when we do that stepping out in faith we almost say well we're taking control of the circumstances but we're doing it hand in hand with god himself
2: that's exactly right and so uh even though uh, you know, we're called to actually step out and to you know we can make plans to do things like share the gospel um but i think we'll know sometimes we might share uh, the message of jesus with friends and it doesn't go how we would like it to uh, but even in that we know god is in control and he's working his purposes out our uh what we are called to do is to proclaim the good news like helen was saying uh, to be god's co-workers that's the the calling that we have
0: Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture
1: and current events. Lachlan Orr from City Bible Forum is our guest. We're talking about hard truths and uh, the potential here for setting your thoughts on what god has in mind on these hard truths an important aspect today and there'll be lots of calls coming through and uh, for those callers coming through uh, be patient because we don't want to neglect our opportunity to talk through uh, the issues on these hard truths let's tackle number two lachlan the mm-hmm. uh, the hard truth that uh, that you are not in control uh, is that the next? That's the one we're uh, up to. Is that was it? the first one? Oh, just okay, starting, you're
2: not in control, so your life is not all about you.
1: All right, your life is not all about you. Uh, yeah. Tell us all about this one.
2: Well, it, I mean the, the comfort of the lie is uh, the lie being that your life is all about you. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you know, at one level. I can only see things from my perspective. So, you know, that's always going to be my view. And and I can't guarantee anyone else is going to look after me. And and if I want to get what I want out of life, then I need to make sure that I get it. Uh, And it's a message that kind of keeps coming at us from the world around us, you know, saying that your life is, it's all about you. There's There's certain things that you need for your life to be fulfilling. Um, And particularly, again, when we live in a a wealthy country like Australia, where we do have choice and we do have options, uh, it's a very appealing lie to believe. Um, But I think the danger, the danger in in believing that lie uh, is that actually we, we can forget that a lot of the times, most of the time, the things that we think we want actually don't satisfy us in any in any sort of ultimate sense. So so whether it's a you know a job or a qualification, you know an item of clothing, or, or even you know a relationship of some sort, uh, we can we can look to that as if it's going to provide us with all the happiness and fulfilment that we need, but it can fail to deliver. And so we we actually we actually need to recognise you know our life our life is not all about us.
1: Uh, there's this word that often comes up in conversation and people talk about it a lot more widely now, this issue of narcissism. Uh, mm. This uh, it is all about me type idea. I look in the mirror and I like what I see. Uh, there's an issue there with narcissism, isn't there? And people often like to actually brush uh, the younger generations today with this narcissistic uh, ideal, and yet it's probably not just restricted to younger generations.
2: Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, uh, when when the younger generations, you know, I, I probably include myself in that, uh, and taking take selfies, it's possibly, you know, a, a slightly more obvious manifestation of it. But when, if we're thinking narcissism in the, it's just all about me, well, just because I'm not taking photos of myself and posting them up on, uh, on the Instagram, on, on, on Instagram or on Facebook or or something, my life could still be completely me-focused. It could still be uh, all about my next purchase, what I want to get, what I'm going to be satisfied with. Uh, And so it can still be uh, the same attitude, just expressed in different ways.
1: Uh, Let's talk about Jesus and a better solution than it all being about me. What what does Jesus say about these things?
2: Yeah, well, actually, Jesus says... It's all about him. And, so you know, that, that might sound like a slightly narcissistic uh, response from Jesus to, to make. Um, but, you know, he actually, that's what he says. He, he says, um, you know, in Mark chapter 8, you know, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Uh, for whoever wants to, lo- to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Uh, so Jesus actually says, no, no, life's not all about you. Jesus says life is all about me, Jesus. Um, but he is the one who uh, we need to remember also came and gave his life as a ransom for many. And so it's it's only in placing him first, in placing God first, uh, that we actually find. Uh, real ultimate fulfillment. Uh,
1: Interestingly, Lachlan, oftentimes, and uh, I'm just speculating Mm. and perhaps uh, just reflecting, but sometimes we can be standing in church, uh, even hands raised in worship to God, Mm. and the feeling that it is all about me because he's done wonderful things for me that somehow or other it's all about me. But you're saying it's on the other uh, opposite end. It is truly all about him.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, and I guess, you know, I, I wouldn't want to say it's wrong to be thankful. It is good and right to be thankful to God for, for all the good things that he has done for us. Uh, but actually, yeah, we need to remember that, uh, yeah, it's, it's not all about us. It's all about Jesus.
1: Okay, we're going to take some calls. Uh, we'll need to be quick on responses because time is very short. Let's hear from Robin in Mount Morgan. Hi, Robin. Welcome along.
4: Um, yes. Hi. Um, I, I just think all of those things are very, very basic, aren't they, to um, the Christian uh, life? I mean, Jesus Himself. He didn't. He didn't do what he what he wanted to do. He he did as he saw the Father doing and what the Father told him. So, um, and then he tells us that we must take up to follow Him. We must take up our own cross and follow him. And um, the other thing is, I was going to say, is that if we don't, people who don't uh, make Jesus Lord of their lives, um, they don't realize how much they're being manipulated and controlled by the devil.
1: Mm. And I
4: just, you know, there was something about Jesus said, I think it was to John, where he said that, um, you know, you, today you, you you can freely do what you want to do, but at the end of your life, somebody else is going to take you by the hand and they're going to make you do what, you know what I mean? Like he was warning him about, his the end of his life and i think that we have to think too before um this new world order you know when this this world dictator comes i think that we need to become more and more um god-centered and uh hear from him rather than be manipulated by this false um
1: government before we get into the third a significant hard truth, and I'll repeat those hard truths in just a few moments, but let's take a call from Penny in Tasmania, who's waiting on the phone uh, very patiently. Hello, Penny. Welcome along.
5: Hello, Neil. Hello, Lachlan. How are you?
1: Very Good well. Day, Thank Penny. you,
6: Penny. Well,
5: I, I must put some controversy into your hard truths. Good. The first two, because I find them not hard... But welcoming. I mean, I didn't know you were going to talk about me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, just so it goes to show your attitude is different to a lot of people, Penny. But uh, enlarge a little bit on that for us. Okay.
5: Well, for the first one, yes.
6: <clears throat>
5: Excuse me. For the first one, if not for God being in control, I would be dead. And I'm not being um, dramatic. I know that as a fact. When you're diabetic, as I am, you would understand the danger involved in that. Mm. Mm. But where the where the wonderful part is, God can. We've heard it and said it that God can use anybody. When God uses a little, a little. Puppy mm. a little dog to wake me up in the middle of the night or try and wake me, and then wakes up her dad to alert him mm. to the fact that I was not responding he He, he saved me that little dog mm. because God used her to to do that and for me to um, respond. To to what Ray had to do,
1: mm. Penny. It's a little bit like that old saying: "There but for the grace of God go I." And really, our next step uh, and our next breath are in His hands. Some response from Lachlan on what Penny's sharing.
2: Oh, it's just a lovely story, and and so encouraging to hear uh, about. Uh, specific ways where it it perhaps might be more visible uh, just how in control God is uh, than for the rest of us. So, I mean, God is in control of all things, and Paul says in Colossians uh, that all things were created through him and for him, and all things hold together in him uh, in talking about Jesus. And so, so, you know, for, for you or for me or for Penny, God is the one who is responsible for keeping us alive moment to moment. But how encouraging is it that you have those moments where you see it with, with extra clarity where you sort of go, yeah, there, there's, there's definitely no doubt in my mind there uh, and so, yeah, that, that's a lovely story, Penny. It, it almost almost sounds like a, a little bit like a, an episode of Lassie or uh, or, or uh, one of those shows.
1: <laughs> Penny from Tasmania, uh, want to honour you too, Penny. You do wonderful things, and we won't uh, enlarge on all of the things you're involved in today, but uh, honour you and your husband, Ray, as well. Penny from Tasmania, thanks for being with us today on 2020. We're working our way through four truths that will set you free, and these are... Are confronting truths. Let me tell you what the four are, and we'll get on to truth number three. First one is you are not in control. The second one, your life is not all about you. The third one is you are not that important. And we are yet to talk about these two. You are not that important, and you are going to die. Uh, sounds depressing to think about all of these things, but we are talking through these with Lachlan Orr from City Bible Forum. Let's talk about that third hard truth, Lachlan. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit more about what your thoughts are on. You are not that important.
2: Yeah. So the the hard truth that you are not important. It, it kind of counters. I guess there's two two lies that uh, that. Culture around us will kind of pedal around this one. One one's related to the uh, the one we've just looked at that your life's not about you. Uh, so the, the lie is you know you, you're super important. That that the whole world and the universe revolves around you, and you can expect everything to you know to to go your way basically. But the the other direction, which I think is almost a little bit more prevalent uh, in the world around us these days, is that you're not at all important. So you know, there's there's 7.4 billion people on the planet. Uh, on, on our one planet, that's one of uh, you know some two to 400 billion stars in our galaxy, which is one of one to 200 billion galaxies in the known universe. And, and they say, well, how, how important can you really be? And so, so the danger, I guess, for us day to day is that you know, we, want, we do want to be important. We want to be significant, but we, we ground our importance and our significance on, on external things. And usually they're things like you know, how smart you are, how rich you are, you know, how, how good of a sportsman you are, Maybe how beautiful you are. We ground our importance in these things that uh, that don't that don't last and don't actually uh, really deal with the yeah. They just they don't last.
1: Okay, let's talk about the better solution that Jesus offers, and uh, you're sort of indicating that uh, that the solution Jesus offers actually somewhere is in the tension between those two factors you're talking about.
2: Yeah, so the hard truth is, is you're not that important, but I think the emphasis is on the word that. So it's you're not that important. So countering the you're super important, but you are important because, in one sense, I mean what what gives something value. Uh, is what people are willing to pay for it um, when we went through the talks i can 't remember what the uh, the final price it went for, but when we talked about uh, don bradman 's uh, baggy green cap you know that in terms of material cost, it was pretty low, worth almost nothing yet because of you know who owned it and what someone was willing to pay for it it 's actually sort of worth in excess of a million dollars. I can't remember exactly how much it went for. I'm sure someone out there does know. Um, And and the Bible tells us, though, that actually God bought us with a price. Um, Jesus' disciple, Peter, he writes uh, to his audience, uh, you "You were ransomed uh, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. And so God valued you so much that he actually sent his son to die in your place. So you are important, um, but you're also not that important. The world isn't revolving around you. And so you know, Paul calls the Philippians to, to look to Christ's example. So even though he uh, was in very nature God, he humbled himself, gave himself to death, even death on a cross. And so he calls uh, us to live in humility and to value others above ourselves. So we're important, but we're not that important that the universe revolves
1: around us. We're taking some calls. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, Rachel is in Perth. Hello, Rachel. Welcome along. Good morning. Rachel, what are your thoughts on our conversation today?
6: Oh, well, um, it's funny. I've been in this um, particular discussion through my own church here, uh, this week. So it's been something I've been praying about and also been ministered to about through the week. So I had to call and make a uh, contribute here because I've been learning a lot through this. Um, first of all, I guess you've got to understand that your life is not your own. Uh, God gave you your life so therefore technically if you look at it that way, your life is a gift that God owns. <laughs> so I just looked at it this way um, surrendering yourself to God is um, pretty much giving your life back to your creator your your Savior and so if you understand that perspective I suppose on that value um, God's in control because God can get God can give you your life but he can also take your life he's in control at all times and what is for you only God understands and his intelligence and he's known, um, may not be in a human perspective. Well, you can't understand what God has for you. Only God knows that part. So when you surrender and you submit yourself over and allow God to take control, um, you're not allowing the... Thoughts of man and the thoughts of the world bring bring control over your life. You're allowing God to, to control what is for you and what's not for you. So it kind of eliminates the middleman, I suppose, in the way of ego and the way of um, saying to yourself, "Okay, well, look, my life's not my own. It belongs to God. So what does He want for me? What is He seeking in me to do for the kingdom? What is it that I need to do?" to walk upright in his understanding. And only God can know what is right for your life and guide you through his ministry and guide, him through, guide you through his biblical understandings of what's right for you every day.
1: Rachel, absolutely wonderful thoughts. And, uh, you know, those people who are in your study group are obviously very privileged because you've got a wonderful way of articulating these things. Uh, Lachlan, your thoughts on what Rachel is saying?
2: Oh, yeah, there's a, there's some great stuff that Rachel's been saying. Is Yeah, exactly right, that you are not your own. Uh, and actually, you know, we've been bought with a price. And so, so God is in control control and I think the thing i 'd want to add is that in in giving us our life in creating us and giving us new life in Christ, uh, that gift is is then for us to use for god 's glory and and yeah, uh, like Rachel was saying, you know we don 't know the details of our life and you know you know the specific details of you know does does God want me to we have this in store for me in the future or that in store for me in the future, but we do know he has planned. Uh, to make us more and more like Jesus, and so whatever whatever situation he he puts us in, whether it's a particular job or in a particular relationship, we know that uh, the plan is to live uh, holy lives in Jesus, and so wherever he takes us, we we do know that that shapes how we live and. Uh, because he's in control, and that's a, a great thing. So, yeah, thanks, Rachel.
0: A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is
1: 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. What are these four con- confronting hard truths? These are the four we're talking about. You are not in control. Your life is not all about you. You are not that important and you are going to die. Uh, we're talking through these hard truths and we're talking about the idea that if we understand these, these set us Free Lachlan Orr from City Bible Forum is our guest. Uh, Lachlan, there's lots of calls coming through. Let's take a couple more calls and uh, just we'll try and keep things fairly brief because we want to spend some time talking about the last one. You are going to die, but let's hear from Wendy in Queensland. Hi, Wendy, welcome Hello. along.
7: Yes, um, I was just um, actually sharing about this the other day about like when the son, the disciples of Jesus were sitting next to the Lord and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, like most mothers, were seeking a special place for her sons and saying, can they sit at his left hand and his right when they go to heaven? And Jesus said, "Um, you don't know what it is that you ask. And he said that Jesus called them unto himself and said, you know those that are considered leaders and those in authority over you as the Gentiles lord it over them, they lord it, but leaders and teachers lord it over the ones and exercise authority over them. But the Lord said, let it not be so among you, but whoever desires to be great among you shall become your servant and become the servant of all. And whoever desires to be first shall be the last and the slave of all. And this is how it is in... For God Himself did not come to be served, but to serve. And I was thinking of the Scripture of the disciples when they were kind of discussing who would be the who is the most important, and Jesus said, and Jesus saw this in their hearts, and He picked up a little child and He said, unless ye humble yourselves as this little child. You um, shall indeed not know why is enter in.
1: Um, Wendy, you have taken these hard truths to a whole new level. I think Lachlan's going to have to add a few more to his list. Uh, Lachlan, your thoughts on what Wendy's sharing?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, yeah, adding, adding in some of those extra things that Jesus has said is is really quite helpful. That um, you know, that's that's just part of the call that Jesus places on his disciples is to recognise uh, they're not important, and so both when they're uh, when they're arguing about who is the greatest and he reminds them that uh, actually um, even the son of man <laughs> came not to be served but to serve. And so he holds himself up as an example there. Um, but, yeah, even then with the little children, you know, back in in the culture in that day, children weren't a, uh, weren't a, a prized, valued member of society. And so to say, you know, you need to welcome the little... Uh, you, need, you need to be welcoming even these little ones... Uh, it just reminds us of how uh, unimportant we are to see ourselves uh, and how m- much we are to be serving others. So, yeah, that was very helpful.
1: Thank you. Wow. Wendy, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. So much to reflect on in all of that, the way that Jesus saw his own importance because he as the son of God and we could go to Philippians chapter 2 and listeners might like to do that and read about what we sometimes refer to as the kenosis or the emptying of uh, himself those attributes of God to be born uh, as a baby and uh, those things very exciting, very meaningful about who Jesus is and so if we get that context right we're going to get the context right for our own lives and our own value and who we are. Uh, Let's take one more call quickly and we're going to tackle this last one of these very hard truths let's hear from Margaret in Perth hello Margaret
6: oh good morning um i'm sorry i'm still on the last one um you're not that um that's okay yeah whats what, yep uh, right uh just a quick comment um many times from the uh, pulpit you've heard um you're precious and valuable to god you're so precious and valuable that Jesus died just for you, and if there was no one else in the world, he would have still died for you and and I think uh, the the uh, Son of God died for each and each each and every one, wouldn't that his life that he offered for us make us precious and valuable, or is this a wrong teaching? i just like that co- a comment um, on that. That's all. Thank you.
1: And Lachlan, your thoughts on what, what Margaret's sharing?
2: Oh, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And I, I thought I said that, so sorry if that wasn't clear, but um, that was one of the things that Peter says is, uh, is that you, he says to, to the Christians he's writing to, you were ransomed, uh, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Uh, and so actually, yes, we are incredibly valuable uh, because of the price that God has paid for us. We see uh, that we matter a lot to God, to the creator of the universe. And so, yes, we are valuable. Um, but the the emphasis is also on you're not that important. You're, you are not the center of the universe. Actually, God is the center of the universe. And so because we're not that important, because the world doesn't revolve around us, we are actually free uh, to serve others. Uh, like uh, you referred your, your listeners to Philippians 2 just before, and you know, like the example we have uh, of Christ, who, who, though being God, took on humanity and uh, died even death on a cross. And so we can follow his example in that as well.
1: Margaret from Perth, thank you so much and I hope that has clarified that for you and just a few minutes left in our conversation to tackle this last one of these hard truths you are going to die uh, Lachlan, this is a hard truth for a lot of people
2: Yes, uh, this is a very hard truth uh, and it's not one that we like thinking about um, in, in our culture I mean, we we don't really have a, a lie that we we tell ourselves, or, or that's an alternate position, I think we, we more just tend to ignore it. Um, you know, we're, we're a p- culture that likes parties and we like the good times and we like to celebrate. Uh, and death is wretched. It's it's devastating. Uh, but we can't avoid the reality that each of us uh, one day is going to die, and, and, and that's pretty confronting. Um, in fact, the, you know, the Bible says it's actually, though even though it's confronting, it is good to think about death. Um, so in, a, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer says, you know, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. So he says, actually, when you go to a funeral, it forces you to, to think about the realities of life, that that we are all going to die. and And so I think the... The, the important reality it pushes us towards is to recognize our mortality into question. Well, where do I stand before God? And I guess that's the, that's the heart of, of what the Christian message is, is that when we think about our lives and the fact that we're going to die and the fact that we will all face God's judgment, well, we need to recognize, actually, it's not going to end well for me, but that we can turn to Jesus the one who died in our place uh, as that ransom for sin that we were looking at earlier, uh, and so that I can know God. I I don't need to fear death because my my sin, the thing that uh, kept me apart from God that meant I was standing uh, facing God's judgment, has been dealt with by Jesus. And all I need to do is trust in him. And so in that sense, uh, thinking about death forces us to recognize where we stand before God and how we can be saved. And and that's why recognizing that I'm going to die is actually a freeing thing.
1: And the power of what we're talking about today is not in just talking about our death or even when we reflect on Jesus on the cross and his death, mm. uh, but the powerful thing here, Lachlan, is that Jesus himself rose from the dead. Uh, yes. Yeah enlarge on that just quickly we're running out of time but this yes. is such a, a powerful point a powerful thing to understand
2: that's exactly right Neil and so uh, death is not the end uh, there is a resurrection there is life beyond the grave and and that's uh, what Paul talks about to the Corinthians in, in his first letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 you know, he says if, if Christ hadn't been raised then you know our faith is useless uh, being a Christian no point and you know, if it's only this life that we're trusting in Jesus, well, you know, we're wasting our time. But he says Jesus has been raised from the dead. Physical resurrection, historical fact. And so we know that sin has been dealt with and that death has ultimately been defeated. And so death might still be scary and confronting, and it is still right to grieve, uh, to be sad about death, and to be sad when loved ones die. But we can face it knowing that Jesus has paid the penalty for us. Uh, the sting of death, having to face God's judgment and wrath, has been dealt with.
1: Well, Lachlan, time has run out, and I just want to express my appreciation for your making time available to talk to us today. Uh, Not Lachlan, at
2: all. It was a privilege to come on.
1: Well, uh, City Bible Forum, a wonderful ministry. And let me point people to citybibleforum.org. Uh, You can find out some of the wonderful creative things that are happening in capital cities around Australia. And I know that there's all sorts of opportunities for people everywhere to connect with City Bible Forum, and you might like to do that, citybibleforum.org. Lachlan Orr from City Bible Forum in Sydney, but there's uh, City Bible Forums in Brisbane and in Melbourne, in Adelaide and in Perth, and as Lachlan said, also in Canberra. Uh, Lachlan, great conversation. Let's do this again sometime soon. Thanks so much for being with us on Twitter.